Yeah, it's funny. This is our joke between John and Joel. Joel's our producer and, and partner in the John and Rick show. Okay. I make them give me a countdown. Oh, you want a countdown? For like five. All right. Four, <laughs> we can do that. Three. And they get really mad. I'm like, wait, that's wrong. Got to do it again. <laughs> we don't need a countdown, but I just thought it was funny. We're, I'm going to do a countdown because this is. Okay, do a countdown. And the countdown, the, the countdown might just make it in the show if it sounds good. Okay. Do the countdown good. or when we do the countdown? You do the countdown. All right, I'm gonna do the hand signals too, so you see it. I don't want yeah. I don't want any confusion. Let me feel at home. Yeah. Awesome. So we're recording. We're good yep. to go. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. Quest file. Yes, Karen. yes. It is a equine data management software that every barn out there needs. Every barn absolutely does need this care. So, things that this software can do. It can help track your horse's medical care. It can help keep your you can keep a digital copy of your coggins. If you're an eventer and you have working students or farm hands, you could put in daily chores that by horse and by worker. And they can check them off as they're done. You can give special access to horse owners. So if you're a um, if you're an eventer and you have people that own a horse for you, you can give them access so they can see daily updates on their horse. So it stops that everyone wants to know what's going on and everyone wants that daily phone call or text. This puts the power in the control of the barn owner and the owners that own the horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it so, as a time saver. So you could put all types of great stuff on there. Pictures, you, videos. Pictures, videos. If you're a sales barn, you could put sales videos on there, and then you can give access to potential clients and owners. It's it's really an amazing, amazing thing. Think about this. Let's just say you have a barn full of horses, and you want to put down that you know this, this half a dozen horses. What type of let's say the farrier's coming? Well, you give your farrier access. And the farrier can look and see. Okay, this horse needs fronts. This horse needs all fours. This horse pulled a shoe, you know, so it helps keep everything track. And then the farrier can just check it off when it's done. Yep. So that way you're in the loop. So the farrier knows what has to be done. You're keeping a good record of it. So eQuest file is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Check them out at eQuestFile.com. And as usual, we like to thank our sponsor, Mane and Tail, Karen. We love Mane and Tail. We love Mane and Tail. We absolutely love Mane and Tail. You know who else loves Mane and Tail, Karen? Caroline Martin. Caroline Martin. Caroline is on with us. I think I'm the number one fan, to be honest, guys. I swear, I've been using the product since I was seven years old. And they're actually a local company uh, where I live in Pennsylvania. So they really have a special place in my heart. And people would not believe the amount of products they make. You know, you always think man and tail, the shampoo and conditioner. Well, they make the tangler. They make this killer shine on spray that makes the horse's coat look amazing they have spray and braid they have everything you don't have to go anywhere else to buy products they're affordable they're a family-run company like and they're just the nicest group of people so i could not think of a better company to go out and support so if you have a horse please only buy me and tail they're just they go above and beyond and they give back so much to the community so they're they're honestly the best company i've ever worked with so we love them yeah we, we, we love them and too. that's all i use 
Yep, that's, that's what, all we use. That's what gives me my shine in my hair. So, so Caroline, do you use it in your own hair? Yes, absolutely. Yes, we both do. I use it. Even our dogs use it. Even our dogs, absolutely. Well, we have one dog with really bad hair, Carolina. So he uses the uh, the the Protec line stuff because he has bad coat, so it fixes oh. him right up. Yep. So see, just another benefit of mane tail. They seriously, they make anything you need. So absolutely, and nothing would test, nothing would drug test. They're just, they just go above and beyond. They are the best. So, all right. Well, thanks a lot, mane and tail, and thank you, Caroline, for joining us for that little spot. You know it, you love it. Safe and easy performance from Buckeye Nutrition. Just when you thought we couldn't make it any better, we did. But don't panic. All the things you love about Safe and Easy Performance are still the same. Our no corn, no molasses formula, low carbohydrates at a maximum of 12.5% NSC. But we've improved our vitamin and mineral package to better match the needs of a performance horse. Plus, we've increased the fat from 10% to 12% to encourage calm, focused behavior, and steady energy release. Active dry yeast supports digestion and gut health, along with high-quality fiber ingredients, including soybean hulls and dried beet pulp. Hindgut bacteria love that stuff. Click on BuckeyeNutrition.com for more information about safe and easy performance, to find a dealer near you, or to ask one of our equine nutrition experts your nutrition questions. Safe and easy performance from Buckeye Nutrition. Taylor Harris Insurance Services. There for all equestrians, amateur and the professional. For all types and all breeds. No matter what discipline or level, Taylor Harris is committed to excellence in serving you and protecting the horses you love. Taylor Harris Insurance Services, your worldwide equine insurance specialists. And thank you for Taylor Harris Insurance Services for joining the Major League Eventing Podcast family, Karen. Oh, yeah. Pretty pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Super awesome. for that. Now, tomorrow, September 17th, Karen, starts Plantation Field International Horse Trials presented by no other than... Taylor Harris Insurance Services. You got that right. So, because of the whole crazy COVID-19 stuff, yeah. wah, wah, no spectators allowed are there, Nope, Karen. nope, not at all. So, Taylor Harris is so gracious and wants everyone to be able to keep updated on the sport, and they want to make sure that Plantation Field is uh, properly um, showcased. So, they are having Major League Eventing, Namely, Karen and Rob. Yes. That's us. That's us. That's us. <laughs> we're going to be on site, and we're going to be doing some live updates from Plantation all four days, Karen. All four days. So, on top of Taylor Harris Insurance Services sponsoring Plantation, they are also sponsoring, guess who, Karen? Major League Eventing. Major League Eventing, on site, giving the updates. So, thank you so much, Taylor Harris Insurance, and um, so look for that. So, what's the dates, Karen? September 17th through the 20th. September 17th through the 20th. So today is, guess what? The 16th. That means tomorrow, tune in to Major League Eventing on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and look out for updates all weekend long. Right, Karen? All weekend long. It's going to be a good time. Yes, ma'am. A five, four, three, two, one.
we're on. I'm Karen. Right. <laughs> I see, already messed up. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. Karen, another super exciting Major League Eventing podcast. Yeah, this one's going to be fun. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, in honor of International Podcaster Month, which mm-hmm. is September, we wanted to get on some of our favorite podcasters. Yes, we do. Who just so happen to be top-level eventers. Uh, so... One of the hosts, my favorite host, which I'm going to say that about the other one when he comes on, okay. too. My favorite yeah. host of the John and Rick show. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Mr. Rick Wallace. How are you, Welcome. sir? Ah, thanks for having me. I certainly appreciate it. And what a great podcast y'all have. It's uh, even from the time that you started the um, your Facebook page, I thought it was a really cool idea. And y'all just gone with it. So congratulations. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Same thing. You guys just hit the ground running. You guys have a much more professional. They have a studio. Yeah, we need Producers, camera oh, workers. Your studio looks really good. Now, I know people can't see it on the podcast, but it's a beautiful wall. <laughs> a nice blank wall. <laughs> Folding chairs. It's a very bougie recording studio yeah. we use. Kind We're of in the man go. cave, so there's not much. <laughs> We're in the man cave. And my man cave is not very well decorated, Rick. That's all right. It leaves an open expression of whatever you want to do. That's it. It's a blank canvas. So, (laughs) hey, as we get started, you're coming to us by way of Zoom, so we're able to see you. But uh, where where are you actually coming to us from? Are you traveling? Are you? I'm currently located at the Ocala Jockey Club in Reddick, Florida, in a beautiful townhouse sitting on the property of this thousand acre facility, and it's been a joy to be here since I think we moved in in January 2019. Been here. The whole time, and our horses are literally down the road at the yearling barn, and um, we've we've so enjoyed being here. But news out there for everybody is we are closing on our new farm on September seventeenth, which is literally five miles as the crow flies on three sixteen in Reddick, um, and we're real excited about having our own place here in, in Ocala. Man, oh, that's exciting! Nice. Congratulations! I, I congrat. I did hear that on the podcast. I'm a I'm a regular listener, so. And watch. <laughs> so I didn't hear that. So that's exciting. We'll talk more about that. We'll learn a little bit more about yes, that as yeah, the show yeah. goes. Yeah. But that's exciting. That's super exciting. I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the jockey club's nice and all, but there's nothing like having your own your own place. There is, but it, but to that point, real quick, it was very hard to find a place because we compared it to the jockey club. Oh. So you know, it took us a while. <laughs> yeah, that's true. When you're when you're at the jockey club, it's kind of like yeah. there's a high bar set, right? Right. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad. So, Rick, can you take us back and tell us how you got your start in riding and then into eventing? Sure. That's a that's a long road back. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was I don't know. Well, a lot of people do know this. My father was a colonel in the Air Force, so I was raised as a military brat. He was a pilot, and and we were stationed in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, actually, um, Bellevue, Nebraska, and the Offutt Air Force Base. So. I was a young kid that lived in a neighborhood. My father didn't make us live on base. That was good. I didn't even realize he worked for the Air Force uh, or was in the Air Force or what he did. I just knew he went off to work and came home. <laughs> uh, but we lived in a really cool neighborhood. And back then in the day, five, six, seven-year-old boys and girls could walk around the neighborhood and come back home at night and not worry about anything taking place. Thank goodness. Um but about three blocks from our house was this pasture with horses and a barn. And so from the time I was five, six, and seven, my mom would always say during the summer, come back when the light's on, yep. you know, the street lights. Mm-hmm. So I, I would do that, but I would go to this 
farm. And over the years, probably I was probably eight. I finally worked up where I wanted to work as stall cleaner so I could lease a pony. Back then, they didn't require parents to sign anything. They just listened to this kid that said, I'll clean stalls if I can lease a pony. So <laughs> one day I rode the pony home. And um, my parents said, what is that? I was like, it's the pony. <laughs> and then from then on, they were like, what? So then they came to the farm. They met everybody. And they said, you know, my dad was like, you know, if you keep this wanting a horse, I guess we'll, we'll do something about it. So when I was nine, they bought me a paint 16 three-hand barrel horse. And um, I loved it. His name was Tonka. And uh, started riding that one, but it bucked all the time. And so I tried to do poles and it would buck between each pole turning and ended up not working. So they we, we traded it in for a better model of a pony, 14-2 hand, done, mare. Um, her name was Honey. And that little mare won everything with me in the barrels and the poles. And then I started putting her in an English tack and started jumping and doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and then we moved to South Dakota and we, guess what we did? What'd you do? We took her with us. <laughs> <laughs> My dad got stationed at Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota and I was 12 by then. So several, I'd had the pony several years and been doing really well. Um, so he ordered a trailer for us to go to South Dakota. Now we all, you know, my father, we had a Bonneville two-door 455 Pontiac. Nice. Two-door sedan. That's what we had to pull the horse trailer, but it had a 455 in it. And it had air shots. So he ordered a two-horse trailer and he ordered it green. And my mother flew to Ellsworth and got us all moved in. She's such an organizer. And we stayed back waiting for the horse the horse to be shipped. Um, and it was just the one horse, the one pony. And we got the trailer delivered the next day we were leaving. And our, our car was like a beautiful evergreen, like, you know, a deep green. And that's what he thought he ordered. Oh, it came lime green. Oh, man. I'm talking mint lime. It was so ugly. And we, there's nothing we could do. We had to leave the next day. So that's how long back it started, but we went all the way to South Dakota with that pony across the Badlands. And we lived in the Black Hills for five years. And they purchased me another quarter horse mare that I won the national barrel championships when I was 15 and 16, nice. and then moved to Indiana where um, I continued the barrel racing and started doing some more English riding and, you know, in the ring riding. And then we moved to Georgia when I was 17. Um, and met up with the Goshes, Nancy and Dick Gosh, um, that lived in Noonan. And at 18, I was introduced to the real eventing. I had done a little bit kind of through the years, you know, but Nancy really moved our family into something that we've never moved out of. And Dick and Nancy Gosh are passed, have passed away. Uh, and their wooden horse stables still exist in Noonan, Georgia, with their family running it. Megan Gosh is their grandchild um, that was born while we were in Noonan because we moved to Noonan. So that's the early days. And Elisa mm -hmm. and Brayden were born and we were in Noonan and we were eventing and, you know, all this stuff was going on. That's wild. So it was, it, it was a lot of fun. 
Um, I was married. No, if y'all know this, I was married in high school when I was 17. Alicia was born, was 18 in high school before I graduated. I went to college at Mercer University for four years, bought our own little 10 acre farm in Kathleen, Georgia, where we had our own horses. And Alisa rode from, I did trot sets in when she was two years old. I didn't realize two year old couldn't trot behind you <laughs> with your oh, horse no. doing trot sets. <laughs> she was literally showing by the time she was four um, by herself and then competing in eventing at um, five. Wow. So Jeez. it just moved on up. And then my son rode and, you know, over the years, we just have always been so horsey and, um, that's the story of how we got started. Wow. We, you know, we had Elisa on as a guest mm-hmm. a, a while back and, um, obviously she's hugely popular between the Mustangs yes, and the OTTBs. I'm very proud of her. Yeah. yeah and she's, I mean, she's awesome. She's awesome. So, and she had mentioned on the show, she's like, yeah, my dad, you know, he was a trainer. Like, so we we're like, oh, well, who's your dad? Like we knew who her dad was, but of course we asked. But in case you listened to that and you were like, hey, they didn't know who I was. <laughs> but uh, we'd rather the guests answer the questions than us answer the questions. But, you know, she had mentioned like how early on, like you would just say, all right, you're, this is, here's the one you're riding today. And she was riding early. Yeah, I think that's the either the adversity of being a young parent or the greatness of being a young parent is there's no there's nothing that stops you. I don't never it was never unsafe. I mean, we, she was always in a safe environment, um, and so was Braden. We have a, a really cool son that went on for boxing as well, wow. and his name is Braden, and he lives in Atlanta. But they both rode. They're five years apart. Um, and they did the ponies. My son was really good at breaking ponies. And if they bucked, the better because he loved getting bucked with. And, <laughs> you know, Elisa went on as to be the youngest um, gold medalist at nine in the Georgia State Games. And, you know, the kids were such an intricate part of my life with horses. Um, and in 1992, I went for the Olympics um, with my horse Ultimate Trial, which was a horse bred by the Goshes. Um, and, and moving forward, that ultimate, ultimate trial, um, is now a prefix of all my horses that are produced by me in Briggs. Um, so they all have the ultimate prefix. Wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so when I, I, it all comes and starts clicking, Karen, when, when, cause right? ultimate victory is your, right? your newly one-eyed horse, right? Correct. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that? Cause I remember, again, I heard it on your podcast first. And yep. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, it's terrible. Can you tell us how that happened and maybe what could have prevented it? Because maybe someone at home listening might like to know that. No, definitely. You know, I, I did a Facebook posting. So some story for the background for podcast listeners is Cody was picked out by my daughter. Imagine that as a four year old, um, not just down the road in um, Macintosh. And it was a four year old. We didn't know what it was, thoroughbred, whatever. Um, that was 2007. Uh, I went to go look at the horse and bought him. So I brought him home. Um, the name came up when I first bought him, he was like scraggly and had his face all scratched off. But mm. as a month went by, I n- named him Grand Forks in the beginning. Grand Forks is where I was born. I was born in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And I always thought Grand Forks is a cool name. Yeah, so I named him Grand Forks cool and called him Coda or Cody for Dakota. Um, well, after a month, his face got this star and it was a V 
So there was a definite V on his forehead. And then I was like, wow, look at that. That's like an ultimate victory. And I was like, oh, ultimate, ultimate victory and combined it together. So that horse is a four-year-old got the name ultimate victory as a five-year-old. I sold him to a client as a dressage horse. And he was getting kind of big. And, and this lady was a little bit small. A year later, she called me because I had moved. She said, look, I can't handle him anymore. Will you buy him back? And sold it back to me for the fraction of what I sold him to, to her for. So I got him back at six. So from six to nine, I got him to the four-star level. Um, competing at Bromont and Essex, or not Essex, Bromont and um, chat, and, you know, all over the place with him. And having a really good time, I got back to the advanced level after many, many years. Um, then got this Canadian coming down, at, offering a lot of money for me. So I sold him in 2014 to Canada to a woman in Canada, a girl, who um, tried to compete him and went to the three-star level. They started having some trouble. Cody, as we call him, gets gets stitchy. So. If you don't have a strong ride that you ride forward to, you would have a stop. But he never had a stop with me, but he would if people wouldn't ride him forward. Um, five years later, Amanda Fox, or Gail Fox, sorry. Gail Fox, who is an advanced rider and is a technical delegate and a judge now and a super friend of mine, called me up and said, hey, I've got a client buying your old horse. I said, ultimate victory? And she said, yes. And she said, the girl said he can't do it anymore. It needs to be a lower level horse. Um, and I said, oh, well, that's really cool. This is what I know about him. So they bought him in January. She said, Rick, he doesn't look really good. He's deteriorated a little bit in his body form. He's very depressed. And I was like, okay. And she goes, I'm going to get him home. We're going to take care of him. I said, well, then let me know how he's doing. So March of 2018, I was at Carolina horse trials with Munson Slough doing the two-star. My daughter was there. She calls me. She says, I'm at Denny Emerson's in Southern Pines. Will you come see Cody? I was like, I'd love to come see Cody. She goes, he doesn't have the spark in his eye. He looks much better. So if I start crying, sorry, I pull up with my daughter and Briggs and Cody's in the back of his stall. And I come to the stall and I just say his name. And he literally spun around and ran to the front of the door and gail was standing there going i've never seen that before and his eyes lit up and he was looking at me and if people say horses don't have a memory they are wrong wow so she said will you get on him and i was like sure i'll get on him so i got on him and i took him out and we connected right away just started doing great stuff because it's never looked like that before wow. i was like hmm. Well, you know, I do have a real strong connection with him. Um, so she looked at me and she goes, would you buy him back? And I was like, why don't I take him home, work with him a little bit? Because at that point, I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I love the horse. So I took him home and he got home and I knew there was no way this horse was leaving again. So I called him up and Gina Teresa owned the horse and we worked a deal out bought him back from a fraction of what he sold him and to the Canadians. Um, and he came back home and I didn't know what we were going to do. You know, this is 2018. I took him training a couple of weeks later. I then moved him up to levels. I got him strong again. 
We did the AEC's intermediate championships last year with him. He was super. Um, and then I decided that it was time for Briggs to, he needed a ride. His three-star horse had gotten hurt. So we transitioned the ride um, in January of 2000, or uh, sorry, in September of 2019. So he did okay. the two-star long at Ocala Jockey Club, clicking along. They tried to move up to intermediate in February 2020. Some issues with ditches, little ditchy. Um, partnership not quite there yet, but they were working on it. But I loved seeing them going together, sort of like my daughter going with her horse. I love watching both of them ride. Um, and so we we're preparing for him to go in another intermediate. And this is April, April 29th. 2020. Um, we have a really super guy that works for us. He's very conscientious, works really well around our horses. Um, Cody can be a little kind of weird, spooky if something drops or falls over. He's 17 years old and he's still like got a spook in him. Um, and we had these old, old bungee, bungee um, cross ties. They're super, like they're black and they're stretched out. You know, I don't like bungee, the tight bungee cord mm -hmm. ones. They're dangerous. And I thought these were not because they were kind of pulled to their hilt. Okay. But I thought, um, well, we were out galloping. I got a call from Walter and I knew something was wrong. And he said, Cody is hurt really bad. He was in the cross eyes and that's all I got out of him. He said, hurry back. So we galloped back. I had a young five-year-old thoroughbred. <laughs> And we galloped pretty quickly across the, the lanes and back to the back to the barn. And he got into the barn and he says he's in the stall. His eyes, his eyes injured. So when Cody pulled back on that old bungee cord, it still had stretch in it. So we had it tied with the hay string, but the hay string it it, it gave way, but it still had enough catapult but it catapulted it directly into his eye uh, um, it was the left eye it hit it directly the blunt force was so hard when you saw the eye you know i was in denial i was like oh we can get him to the to peterson smith we can we can get it done um and get it fixed dr brooks just happened to be at the peterson smith he's one of the world-renowned um, ophthalmologists or surgeons um got him there within an hour and a half and he came out and he said, there's Rick, there's nothing, nothing I can do with this eye. Um, unfortunately, it's going to have to come out. And I knew, I, I thought his career was over. I was like, oh my God, just make him comfortable, do whatever you need to do. And he goes, you know, they transitioned pretty well. I was like, okay. Um, but we were, Briggs and I were devastated. And what had we done to our horse? And so people out there, you know, when we did do the Facebook page um, and then Inventing Nation picked it up, it was, I, I would have to say, probably the biggest responses, thousands and thousands and thousands of people responded. Um, and some some not so kindly, but some very, gener you know, were, were thankful for telling them about the bungee cords and those out there that haven't heard the story. Get rid of any bungee cord, cross tie, trailer tie. I don't even know why they're on the market because there's been, uh, I think, um, ho um, Holly Jacks Smithers mm -hmm. lost her horse's eye from a, from a trailer tie pull. And she was the, the person that I called because she had been competing her one-eyed horse for a while. 
at the prelim inter, prelim level. And so I called her. She goes, Rick, when you get him home, day one, treat him like he's normal. Um, so we did. We brought him home that that next day. Um, the eye was cleanly surgical eye was done it was completely gone people go did you put a did you put a you know a fake one in i was like no i don't want anything in there to cause infection or anything like that um i just wanted to heal and him to be happy so i had no idea what was going to be in store for cody um briggs was devastated but i decided i'd take him back over his handling and you know kind of work through it so the biggest challenges were just on the ground, kind of making sure that he knew that you're coming up on the left side. But I turned him out in the paddock the first day, overnight, first day. Um, his bandage was on. I went out there and started playing with him in the paddock. And he started chasing me and running around and like he had two eyes. Um, I made him turn off my shoulder, sort of my daughter's thing that she does, you know, mm-hmm. free in, in hand. Um, and that horse just every single day we pushed it a little bit more the next day we put a saddle on we started jumping within a week put Briggs back on him they started jumping i was like he's not missing a beat we did angles on show jumps we went out and schooled cross country with them within i think three weeks he went out prelim um and did super and within six weeks he did an ip and then he just was ninth at the three star uh at chat out of a field of 20 and their first three star together and Cody's first three star since he was with me in 2014 and Briggs first three star since 2018 with his old horse. So it was a huge milestone, Um, but that's the the I story. Our, all my stories seem to have a long Wine to it. Now, now we love it. We love it. As a matter oh, of fact, crazy. it's kind of funny. It's not funny. It's 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 interesting timing because we're actually doing a story. We're working with Fair Hill a little bit, and Fair Hill just had a starter trial, and they asked us if we can, you know, get together some art, you know, get, get get some stories together. So you know, we the story should be coming out right around the same time this interview comes out, where mm-hmm. there's a a girl, a, a girl. She's um she's a in local her twenties, local rider. Do you know? And she has a one eyed horse, and her horse uh, wasn't a wasn't a traumatic incident that caused the eye to right. go, but it happened over time a little bit. And again, she's not missing a beat. Now she's gone at a much lower level. Yeah. But again, it's just it's it's nice to hear these stories of horses that are able to continue to go and give their their riders and owners yeah. so much love. It's very interesting. I think. Probably this story intertwines a little bit with Cody, as we all know, he's what? Ditchy, right? Sure. So the ditching, the ditchy issue was a, was a problem for Briggs just because there's a certain kind of ride and in partnership they develop. Guess what went away after he lost his eye? No way. He's not ditchy anymore. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, John Holling, who actually competed um, Cody for me at the AECs one year when I broke my wrist and was fin- finished seventh as I finished seventh the year before he saw that horse go with Briggs and he goes, I've never seen that horse go any, any time, even with you and me, like he went with Briggs at the three star at chat wow. and the horse didn't miss. There was a huge ditch and wall. There was blind corners off the left. He just trusted Briggs completely. And it, it's, I don't know if there's a study out there, Elisa keeps on, and we listen to Elisa a lot because she does have some good insight. 
she thinks the left eye is connected to the right side of the brain. The right side is the spooky side. So we disconnected it. Wow. Hmm. Well, she, I, 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 if Elisa says so, I believe her. She's a pretty, she knows, <laughs> says so. she knows her shit as they her. say. So. <laughs> so yeah, that's the, the huge story about ultimate victory. And, yeah. you know, he's not, and let me just make this clear to all the listeners. It's never, he's never being sold again. He's <laughs> found his forever home and did, his job and owes us nothing. We will only continue to compete him if he feels comfortable, confident, and is liking what he's doing. But let me tell you, he likes what he's doing. Briggs is doing the advanced combined at Ocala this weekend, and we put him in a double bridle. They're doing the advanced test. They look fantastic. I can't wait to see Briggs do his first advanced dressage test in a, in a competition, and Cody's going to be the horse taking him there. That's, so that's, that's awesome. Cool. Now, Briggs, obviously, I mean, I listen to your podcast. Briggs comes up in almost every story you tell. Briggs is a part of the story. So Briggs is obviously a huge, huge part of the program. Briggs is my partner. Right. So, and then, uh, 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 so, but he also does all the writing. And, and so, I mean, he's a partner 100% in, in all parts of the life, right? Yes. All the way through. Briggs, um, we have our barn when we talk about how businesses are built. Um, over the years, we have had clients with horses that come in all the way up until last year. Um, and I've been, both of us have been blessed with having another company that I own that has started to do really well. And, and I remember when I was younger, I used to always say, all I want to have is my horses, whoever I'm with, and just deal with our horses and have fun and compete and, you know, maybe buy and sell and do that kind of thing. Listen, everybody out there, if you put that into your universe, it it happens because that's what's happened to us. So we have a barn full of really nice horses, a couple, one that's in for training, but no clients. And not that I don't love clients or my junior riders or anything like that, but it does make life more enjoyable with your partner that you're dealing with and having fun, your daughter that lives 10 minutes away that comes over. We just deal with us in our little bubble. And we have a lot of fun. And during COVID, it's it was even better because, you know, we didn't have the adverse effect of not having clients because mm-hmm. our, our business was as we moved through it. So Briggs has been a very, very big part of where we're, we're going today. We bring on young thoroughbreds. We just sold one to California, Ultimate um, Irish Rhythm, was bought as a four-year-old last year and sold as a five-year-old to, um, to Bruce. Hill, um, Bruce Hill of Venning and, and Jennifer Wooten back okay. out in California. Um, so that's what we like to do. If it's a, it was a really nice horse. I would have loved to it to stay to be, a, a, it was definitely a five-star, um, potential. Wow. So we've got another five-year-old that I'm riding. We kind of trade off. We have seven of our own, um, or more than that nine. And then one is with Elisa Munson Slough. Um, one, I have a medium pony that made it to pony finals last year that went to pony finals this year that I own that's at Foxley Farm in South Florida. And then we have these, he's got a six-year-old thoroughbred. He's got Cody. He's got a seven-year-old 14-2 hand uh, mare bred by Elisa, combining all of our family's ultimates and then the Cormax from the Goshes to this little power punch that Karen O'Connor loves. I think it's the next Teddy O'Connor. Wow. 
um, Theodora Connor. Um, and she was just second at chat in the CCI short two star. Wow. So yeah, everything gears for me. And I think for your listeners, I think I kind of said a little bit, I love riding. I love producing horses. I have a really super nice Dutch horse and the five-year-old, but I don't think, I think I will go up to intermediate. I don't have, I don't have, at least right now, I don't say it might not come back. I don't have the drive to go to the four-star, five-star level anymore, but I love seeing Briggs and Elisa make their way or be there. And, and, you know, Elisa's done five, five stars. Can't tell you how much I love, enjoy watching her ride. Same with Briggs. So when I see both of them, typically they're going out across country together. So I see them both on course. They're both on course last two events at the same time, Oh, geez. which is not, it's not hard on me. It's easy because I'm not able to watch everything. Yeah. Um, so I just enjoy watching them. And I think that's my call in life later on is just to, you know, bring up the young horses and then turn them over. And if we have really nice potential ones for them, then that's great. Man. Um, if I find my way back up there, because I want to, I will kind of like if Cody wants to, he will. Mm-hmm. I'm in his boat. So um, that's, that's awesome. where I am. I mean, you've been there. You've been there, done that. You, you know, that's. Uh... Yeah. You, you got to really have the drive. You know, it's I don't uh, for your listeners and for y'all, you go into the start box and, you know, I mean, we have, we all know our sport puts as much safety forward as we can. Um, we're depending on us as riders in our skill. And we're depending on a horse and their training and their their skill coming together and galloping around courses um, in which we've got to be in tune and do it together and and want to do it. Um, so when you go out there, it's it's for me every single time until you get over the first two jumps or so, you're like, Ugh. but then <laughs> I think that's for, I think that's true for everybody. Yeah. They might not say it is, but I think once you feel that it's working you know, you kind of pull into it. And and I can tell you, I'm always like, ah, I can do this. And then coming up to the event, I'm like, what did I, what did I sign up for? I'm doing it <laughs> you know, cause then you see the course, but then you get out of course, once again, you know, you get over the first two jumps, you're fine. Right. Um, so that's where I am. I like the young horses. And for some reason, I'm always attracted to very spooky horses, which I don't know why, cause it makes my life a little bit more <laughs> difficult. Um, but you know, we, we have fun with what we do and we're excited about the future. Well, maybe that's where Elisa gets it from getting Mustangs. And I mean, you know, like it sounds like she's in the name of the, in the business of challenging. You know. Well, before, before Elisa kind of fell into my, I was always known as the person that could take a horse and ride it, whether it, whether it was bucking or running or, you know, I was the problem horse solver. Um, not to the extent that she is, but I was the person that everybody brought their problem horses to. Um, it's a blessing in some ways because you have horses that you're working with and it's, it's, it's not in others because you're only getting the difficult ones mm-hmm. instead of getting the nice ones. But here in my life where I can afford to go out and buy my own, I <laughs> just don't get that difficult one. Um, but the challenges are good. And when you work through the challenges and they become you know top notch, then um, that's always more gratifying. That's awesome. And you know, I gotta be honest. I mean, I, I I, I've said this on the show before and Karen knows, I believe that, like you said, when you put something out to the universe, when you say it out loud, it's out there. And I do believe that, you know, saying things out loud, your, your, your goals and your mission and, and, or, and, or putting it in writing, you know, 
I think there's something to that for sure. So when you say that, it's not lost on me at all. I find it, I, I love it because yeah, it I mean, actually, it, it, yeah, it, it brings back my, it bring it reinforces that feeling that I have that this is, I believe in it. I believe that it's. It's funny, Briggs and I were talking about it the other day and he goes, you know, the person that's always in, a, in alignment, it, this is a movie, in alignment always was the best at what they could be. Because my philosophy is you never say, I don't want to fall because the universe always only hears fall. You right. got it. Yeah. Yep. So you don't want to put, I don't, you only want to say, I want. So Forrest Gump, that man, if you look at that, that movie, he embodied being in alignment and being able to put forth that he was the best at whatever he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, that's what, that's what life needs to be is that we just think positive thoughts. And sometimes it's hard with the world that we're living in today, but I have found every time I do it, it works. Yeah. So, I believe in that too. Saying the positive, putting things into positive, don't fall. Don't say that. You want to say, yep. I'm going to stay on. I'm going to ride this sucker all the way through the finish Wait. flags and, and crush it, you know? So, and you so, know, honestly, so between Forrest Gump and then my other very motivational person fictitious person which karen probably knows what i'm gonna say uh-huh joe dirt <laughs> joe dirt i love joe dirt because everything he was again another i know it's a hey, comedy there, there you go life's a you garden. know you gotta you gotta draw on what you draw on to make you feel good yeah. yeah so and he's he was always positive i know it was a quirky funny movie but i did feel like every part of that movie he was always looking to the positive always looking to the plus side and and he was always right. having a good day. And you know, my daughter now says this all the time, and my son probably does too, that he's dealing with people. But my whole life, I've always said if something went wrong or something was going on, I said, you're going to be fine. Yeah, You're fine. Mm-hmm. They, they did fall off. You're fine. You're, you're fine. Get up. You're <laughs> fine. And she said to me the other day, she goes, I find myself telling everybody, oh, it's going to be fine. You're fine. So, <laughs> you're fine. You know? You're good to go. Hey, and we the, all are. The uh, only be- because I I got to know everything. I'm very nosy. The other very business nosy. is a cosmetology school. Right? Oh, I'm sure. a, I, mean, I call it inquisitive, but I, I but the cosmetology school. That's the other. That's the main. Is that is that the main hustle or is that the side hustle? And that's the it has ended up being the main hustle. Um, okay. My so flashback 92 Olympic selection trials. My horse ultimate trial was injured um, in the steeplechase before going out on the Rolex turf. And so I, you're going to be listening to dogs in a second. No problem. He's a proud Um, father. He's a proud father. I know Matilda had three puppies. I named them uh, Minnie, MJ and Derby Derby because it was on Derby day. Okay. Never probably ever again will Derby Day be on September 5th. Um, <laughs> and then one of them has like a, a mouse outline on their back. Okay. So it's a girl. So I named her Minnie. And then the other one, MJ for Mint Julep. Oh, Mint Julep. I love it. That's cute. Nice. I'm a big bourbon guy. Yeah. The, the dog's so, barking in the background doesn't bother us at all. So don't, don't, don't. Bother well, good. Me. That doesn't bother us. So the. After 92, I stopped working for, I actually sold my portion of the family's company. We had a national lead detection company that went all over the country, uh, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, detecting lead in public housing. So when I graduated from Mercer, I went into that job and I was VP of uh, marketing for that. Did great as a young person and, and a young father and a young family. We had a beautiful farm. We, we, you know, we did a lot of stuff after 92 Olympic or selection trials. 
I had a life change. Um, unfortunately, my our family, you know, we had a divorce and I went on to become only horse income. So I went to a hunter jumper barn. And that hunter jumper barn is where I learned my skills in the hunter jumper ring. I then went on from that barn late years later to a dressage only barn. Then went from dressage only barn back to an eventing barn. So I have all, all the ingredients for all the disciplines. Um, but I knew in when I turned 30, I was not going to be able to make a true, really good living staying just with the horses. Um, and I needed to get back. I had a college degree. I had really good resume. And so I was in Tallahassee, Florida, and um, picked up a job with Carol Dover from the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association. Um, she had horses. She actually hot, she called me to be a trainer for her. Um, and, and that uh, led to me wanting a job with her. And she gave me a job. I worked my way up to VP of education and training for their, for the Restaurant Association developing a um, what's called Safe Staff Food Safety Program in the state of Florida that okay. brings in probably about since I developed it in 2004, it's brought in over $30 million to that association. Wow. <clears throat> so in 2016, I left and started a company called Florida Association Management Operation Services, famous. Uh, that company, I decided that. The industry in Florida that wasn't represented by an association, because now I'm an association exec, um, was cosmetology, barbering, nail techs, those professions. So I started uh, with my, that company, I started a management company that opened the Florida Association of Beauty Professionals, FAB Professionals. When I did that, I started this membership association trying to get the 180,000 licensees in the state of Florida to join the membership, having 150 schools in the state of Florida join. And what I found in 2007, 8, 9, I got mostly schools joining. So I tuned my, my radar into the schools, cosmetology and barbering schools, post-secondary, for-profit. They're accredited, they're Title IV, so it's like going to a college. You get Pell Grants, student loans, um, ended up that the association transitioned into the retail federation. I left and I started a consulting business with schools that wanted to be purchased because I understood the regulation on state accrediting and the, the department title four level that transpired into me, uh, run, helping somebody buy a school in 2009 in Jacksonville, the American Academy of Cosmetology. That guy owned the school until 2015 and called me up. I was his consultant through the years. I do work all over the country for Aveda, the Salon Professional Academy, on consulting levels for buying and selling schools. And he said, I don't want to have this school anymore. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm tired of it. I don't want it. And I said, well, let me look at it. So I went over and it was in, I had, I had run it for a year in 2010 and I built it from a 1,500 square foot school to an 8,000 square foot school with 100 students from up from four. So I got there, it was still 8,000 square feet, but it had 25 students. It run amok. Um, it was a mess. I said, look, let me manage this and see if I can hold this out. Um, so I did. And then uh, 2016, 
I remember this clearly because we were at Elisa's second five-star at Rolex. Um, the sale of the school went through. And right when the sale went through, there's like people selling drugs in my school or something oh, happening wow. on that day. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm at the five-star and I'm trying to transition that. So the story for the cosmetology school is 2016 to 2020. I had to really revamp and redo and fire everybody and re do it, re-sculpt it. Um, 2020, it's a very successful cosmetology and barbering school offering massage, um, nail techs, skin care, barbering, and cosmetology. And I have a staff of 17. We made it through COVID, through outside box thinking, through Zoom. Um, we had Zoom classes for two months. I opened back up brick and mortar June 1st. We're up to 130 students, um, COVID-free, all our stuff, sanitation. Um, we have very big space. We they have different classes going on, so everything moves in the right direction. So that school, where it is today, has afforded Briggs and I to be where we are with horses. Wow, so nice. we appreciate the cosmetology world. It's a great group of people. Uh, barbering. We have a lot of guys from the VA and, and women from uh, armed forces that come to our school on VA GI Bill. Um, and we have people that it's like it's college. So they come in, they, 10 months later, they have a license. They can practice profession in the state of Florida. Wow. That's awesome. That is great. I love a good entrepreneurial yeah. story, Karen. You know me. I'm a sucker <laughs> for that. I'd rather hear that. I can talk to you all day about that stuff. Well, I can tell you the bad story on that is 2016, 17 were fun years. And Elisa kept on going, what the heck did you buy that school for? Because I was always like, and what you probably don't know is post-secondary schools, colleges go through uh, financial audits by the government every single year. So we have a compliance audit and a financial audit. And when you have to be in a good standing, you can't have, like when you return money to the federal government, if the student withdraws, there's all this, you know, nervous uh, tension that goes into running a school. But thank God, over the years we've got great people and we we have really good good go of it. Wow! So does that mean all your best closest friends get free haircuts at the school? You know, it's an hour and twenty five minutes away. If they want to go over there, they. <laughs> I think I think I am giving a, a gift certificate to the Trainer Association for Anissa um, Cotting Gym. Um, for somebody who wants to go have a spa day. I mean, we have a really good skin program. Wow. Um, I have a massage program we're starting to get off the ground. I would, if y'all want to go, let me know when you're in Jacksonville. There's a lot of there's a lot of square footage here for someone to rub down, but I'll <laughs> I will definitely be up for it. Just gonna, you can get a barber shave with the hot cream and the face stuff, and you know. There you go. Rick's or just a, a good time, Karen. <laughs> You're talking my language. I can't grow a beard, but I'll definitely try that. That sounds nice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, a lot of people didn't realize that that's what I do. And everybody goes, well, you're not at school every day. And I'm like, because of technology and what we do, I'm very, very, I don't have a cosmetology license. I don't have a barbering license. I don't have, I have an association management background. And now I have a school background because I've been in it for eight years, not 10 years. Um, so I work from home on, on, um, federal student aid. I watch my school very closely on, on the money that goes in and out through the federal accounts and what the students get given for their college. Um, and that's what my 
my strong suit is. So I kind of manage it from home. Man, I love it. Well, hey, that's what a good leader does is they, they do what they know and then they hire the... the... I always said, if you, you get the person that you really want to represent you and there's no ego involved. If you can do something better than I can do, please tell me how to do it because yeah. I want to know. I'd rather be wrong and rich than the right and broke. So. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I heard that from a sales trainer once. I had a, a, uh, I did a lot of sales training back in my day. Yeah. And he yeah. says, yeah, and that's what he said. He said, you know, basically it was along the lines of, Hey, if you have a customer and they keep saying, uh, you know, whatever the, the, the widget, they call it the widget instead of the gidget or whatever, you know, right. I say, don't correct them. Right. <laughs> just, just let it be. Just let it be let and, it be. Yep. and collect the money. <laughs> so let it be. That's a good song. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hey, just to wrap up the whole, what, what your business is about the, yeah. so, so you sell horses, you, you've kind of mentioned that now the new farm, you have a great name for the farm. Uh, and can you just tell us a little bit about that new place and then we'll kind of, we'll, sure. We'll, well, actually this is like the second, second farm that we've been going to. The first one was off of 441 and it really wasn't going to work out, but it was kind of cool thinking that it would, but it sat up a little bit on a hill. So one day, Lisa, Lisa loves naming things all the way from when she was little. Um, also naming horses and all kinds of stuff. She came to me and she said, I got the name for the for that farm. And I said, what, what is it? She goes, well, combining you and Briggs's name, it's Brick Hill Farm because it was on a hill. I was like, oh, I really like that. Plus in Ocala, Ocala is known as the Brick City. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, no, Ocala no, 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 no. is known as the Brick City. That's not what we're taking it from. We're using our our first parts of our names and last parts. So when we got this one, Briggs and I talked about it for a long time. What Brick, what do we call it? Brick what? Brick Field? Brick. So I came up with Brick Field. Um, a lot of people don't know this about Briggs, but he's an avid guitar player now because of COVID and a gardener. And he has started um, an avocado tree, oh. a mango tree from seed. Wow. And they're all out in our courtyard. So I almost went with the brick orchard farm. Because he's going to have an orchard and all kinds of stuff. He's a very good botanist. He should have gotten to school for it. Um, he can grow anything. So it's Brickfield Farm. Brickfield Another farm. story to go with that. Love it. I love it. I love that name. Well, I heard it again. I've listened to you on the show. So I heard, I did hear a version of that story, mm -hmm. which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. So I just, uh, for anybody who's not listening. It's, it's, it's always fun to try to figure out what you're going to call something. And, um, you know, it's, it's in a little providence of Reddick and there's Fairfield. And I like the, the name Fairfield. And we went to go call it Fairfield Farm. And of course, Briggs looks up everything. Oh, there's already a Fairfield. Fairfield Farm in Virginia. I was like, okay, we don't want that one. So Brickfield passed the test. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Hey, what's the um? You know, we're up outside of Fairhill in Maryland, but down 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 there in Ocala. What I mean, it seems like everyone's flocking there. You have the New World Equestrian Center. What's the right. real estate like for farms? Is it is it is it getting harder to find a place for a decent price, or what's it's it, it's it's um pre COVID, I think. It was pretty active and, and things selling closer to the World Equestrian Center. The, the thing about Ocala is sometimes people think 25 minutes is a long way away. I personally do not think that. No. Um, so the, the jockey club actually sits on a lot of acreage 
um, probably 25 minutes from the Royal Equestrian Center. So there's a certain line that people don't like to go over to be away from where they want to be. Um, I think that was the case in the early days and things were selling for a lot of money. Then COVID came in and people couldn't travel in. Um, the market is booming again here. Uh, people are able to come in. I think the prices will start going higher as the World Equestrian Center opens. A lot of, you know, it's been going to open for a while, but it is going to open one day. And once it does, then I think, you know, those prices will even get higher. But, but you can find affordable farms in Ocala. Okay. You just got to find them. What are your thoughts on the World Equestrian Center coming into town? I'm excited about it. Um, I'm, you know, I don't want it to become a Wellington. Um, you know, Wellington, I love going to Wellington. I love showing in Wellington. At least I used to, but, you know, we went down there for the the Invitational a couple of years ago with Johnny with um, Simply Priceless. And we took all of our horses in it. And I took my staff, I have a stallion, a Tricaner stallion, and I took them in the uh, Green Hunters. And it's, it's a zoo. I mean, it's, <laughs> It's, it's a zoo, but I think here in Ocala, the World Equestrian Center is so much more laid out and, and thought of and planned that it's going to be a lot better. It's on 1,800 acres. Um, I know that they want to transition to having a cross-country, um, and I'm not sure when that's going to happen. But I think if we utilize it and use it for what we need it for, I think it's going to be a great place to go and, and a great thing for Ocala. Cool. Cool. That's always nice to know what the local yeah. perspective is. Yeah. Karen. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So, Rick, we are going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> Just five silly questions, and okay. you get graded at the end. We grade strict okay. grading criteria. Yeah. I'm an easy grader. She's a tough yeah. grader, Rick. So. <laughs> oh, I better do this well then. <laughs> All right. Do you have any good luck or superstitions before you go out cross country? I do. Would you like me to share that? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I talked to my, I talked to my dad and my dad died of ALS when he was 49. He was like, I told you before Colonel Air Force. I talked to dad. He was a pilot. I, every time I get in the start box, I said, dad, just fly with me and, wow. and be with me. And, and that's what I do. That's oh, beautiful. That's nice. That's beautiful. I lost my dad too. So that's a little bit, that's a little bit. Now that might get me crying, Rick, but. See, see that? I mean, it, it's, and it's always good to have your dad still with you after all. I mean, my dad's been gone for, uh, since I was 19. So many, many years, but I, I actively, and I think not to go off your questions, but my father's fear and what my mother, who's 84 and beautiful and still alive and kicking, uh, tells me is my father always thought that he would be forgotten. Uh, never. He's yeah. got so many grandchildren named after him. We talk about him all the time. And, and now I got to put him on the podcast. So Colonel Richard Smith Wallace, pilot, you're up there and looking over me, and I appreciate it. And I wow. salute him. That's wonderful. Oh, damn it! Damn that, it, Rick. He already, he already got an A plus plus. I mean, he's already won it with the first question. All right, all right. Well, anybody that gets me crying <laughs> automatically Sorry, wins. You know, next is. All right, all right. Next question: uh, Who was your favorite rider growing up? Favorite rider growing up. Lucinda Green. Good answer. Although, I don't know if I was growing up when she, I mean, I'm not, Lucinda's probably 
not that much older than me. So let me think of somebody. See, the problem with me in, in that question is where I, I was barrel racing. Yeah, I was yeah. doing Western Pleasure. I was doing the quarter horses. Um, so, you know, I think at 18, um, I would have to say it was Lucinda Gray. Gotcha. Well, that's a great yeah, answer. Yeah, it is a good answer. Absolutely. All right. Who's a better podcast host, you or John? Oh, by <laughs> all means, me. Yeah. <laughs> so the story about John, and I love John, and I just got actually on the phone. He's driving to Triumph right now with his son, Caden, to do the uh, Blue Ridge event up there. Um, John and I get along so well. People think we're a married couple. <laughs> and, and I don't know. We get along, I mean, but we were able to bat each other around a little bit. And my positives are, you know, are his negatives and his negatives are my positives. So it works out well. And the way we got the John and Rick show named is we did um, rock, paper, scissors. And so something you got to know about me is I always want to add dynamite. See, that's bullshit, Rick. That's bullshit. <laughs> so I, I do that. <laughs> but, but you're right. It is bullshit. <laughs> because... We'll go rock, scissors, and I'll do dynamite, and I always lose because it's like he has scissors and he just cuts the. the <laughs> I don't even know if that works. I don't even know how. No, but we made it work. So, <laughs> you know, so that's how we got the John and Rick show. You know, John's so good at many different things, and and I'm I have strong suits and other things, and we just we hit it off, and I one couldn't do it without the other, um, and I think Joel is a big part of that, and Briggs. Um, they, and, and Molly Tully, Molly Tully is Joel's, um, girlfriend. They're always behind the camera scenes doing all kinds of stuff. Joel is magical with what he puts out and what he produces and what the commercials he does. And, you know, John is funny cause he likes to have, he likes to have, I'm going to show y'all. Nobody can see this. It's a list. So we've got, before we start, he's got to have A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay. We're going to talk about this. We're going to do that. Then we're going to go there and we're going to do this. And I was like, uh-uh, we're just going to do it. <laughs> Rick's a wing goes, guy. You know I have a really hard time with that. I was like, too bad. <laughs> so, it makes the show fun. That is fun. I enjoy watching and listening. And, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the show. show it, you have really great guests. So y'all are doing a great job all the time. When you, I mean, it's an amazing podcast. Oh, well, no, thanks thank a lot. You. I'll ask you more about your show because I have a couple of questions about that after with Quickfire. Yes. Oh, uh, oh, oh, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. Well, it's just, we, got, I, we got two more. I, two more, two yep. more. We got the, we got to get to the grading portion. Yes. All right. <laughs> if they made a movie about your life, who would you want to play you? Ooh. Very good. Um, <laughs> Well, because over the years I've been called Daniel Craig, Kevin Bacon, oh. um, who else? Have I, I see been Daniel called? Craig. I see that. Uh, Costner. There's been several others. I think I would like to have Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. <laughs> I don't know if that'd be awesome. That's Did I just throw you off on that one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was going to be James Bond, but hey. Uh, Daniel Craig is really good, but I Rob Lowe is is like a, a really great actor mm-hmm. on all sides, of, and plus he's got really good, cool blue eyes. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Sure. Well, you can't go wrong with that. No, nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last question: If you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? Any horse, past, present, or fiction? 
simply priceless. So there you go. Nice answer. Good answer. I love it. This is great, Karen. Yeah, I know. I just love it. I've only written, you know, I wrote Johnny. Johnny was supposed to come to me. I don't know if anybody knew that. Johnny was coming to me and I deferred the owners that were sending it to me. I said, I already have Cody. My daughter needs a horse. So it went to her, but I went and rode him first, tried him out. And then I went to Elisa and said, you've got to take this horse. So I did ride him once. I have never ridden him since wow. she's had him. And that's the one that you'd want to ride again. That's the one I want to ride him. Oh my gosh. He's, huh. he's like 19. He'll let me ride him. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, I'd say I, Rick A plus plus. Yeah. Excellent. You won. Excellent job. You're Good the job. winner. <laughs> well done. Hair going, yeah. <laughs> so we are going to have here, hopefully in the next week or two, we're going to get your, your podcasting partner, John Holling on. And we're going to ask awesome. him, we're going to ask him questions too. And we are going to yeah. definitely, he's going to have his work cut out for yes, him. Yes, he is. So he, I know. he better be like getting ready to make me cry. Cause, that, <laughs> cause that's, that's really what put you over the top was the sentiment. The, uh, so talking about the podcast, John and Rick show, um, uh-huh. had, uh, just, it is, um, the September is like international podcast month. September right. 30th is international podcast day. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, podcasters we like to really kind of pump this up and and i think this is a perfect time to have you both on because you're podcasters we've had some other podcasters on the past but we wanted to make sure that we definitely share the love with other eventing podcasters that's uh, awesome we appreciate it yeah so and 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 we want to um you know make sure that people also remember to you know follow and subscribe you know and leave Mm -hmm. reviews and i have a podcast and things like that and you guys also do the youtube or the facebook live and and we do do youtube it's kind of secondary you know we we do it on facebook and then it's on iheart and spotify and all the places that y'all probably are as well um but yeah i think for for you and podcast month in September is that you said September thirtieth. Yep. We need to make sure we transition and get you on the show oh, for our, our. It's going to be in October for us because yeah, no we're done filming for September. Yeah, you guys but, are way um, organizing us. I can't wait to have both of y'all on. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. I'm going to start doing these questions. <laughs> hey, so how did you guys uh, get the idea to do this? And, and just, uh, you know, so people kind of get a little idea sure. about the show. So um, Louise Bart, Louisa Barton, um, the horse talk show in Ocala actually um, asked John and I, John and Louisa came up with doing the show. And then they called me and I said, I'm glad to be to do the show and it kind of was a spinoff on her show just one one segment and we we knew as we went through the first couple showings or some of the shows that we did that was live facebook um we just had a what would you call a, a creative difference of opinion and so we spun off we closed that down and moved into doing our own uh john and rick show with joel um and you know it it has been the best thing that we've ever done. We've got great um, supporters like Horse Trailer Pros um, and Matt Cobb and Maxine um, allow us to have a beautiful studio and a place to shoot it. And and they're both very generous with supporting us. Um, and then we've got, you know, great supporters, Stressless Horse Supplement, who's been a supporter of mine from a long time ago, um, came on as a segment sponsor. Um, and so it's been it's been fun. And and we're on number sixteen coming That's awesome. up. That's awesome. Episode. Very cool. So that how many podcasts out. do y'all know? 
127? 127. You'll be, yeah. I think, That's one, a lot. You yeah. should be 128. Yeah, we do it weekly. Haven't missed a week yet. Hopefully, knock on wood, I, I didn't jinx ourselves, but you know. So do y'all have, I've got a question for this podcast. Do you have trouble locating or, or finding your, your next scheduled um, guest? Uh, I don't think. Or are you pretty open? You've been pretty good success. seems like you're the one that schedules them, right? I, I Yeah, I mainly schedule them. I, Rob gets, reaches yeah. out to some. Well, I don't think, yeah, I think uh, just, we, we, uh, we haven't had trouble yet. I yeah. mean, knock on wood. You know, it's funny when we first started and we said, we're going to do one guest at a time and, and, and try to do it weekly. And, you know, I remember when we first started, we made a list. I had this whole like spreadsheet of all the riders and just looking at it. We're like, well, this is going to take us a while to get through these people. And we were, blew through that pretty we, quick. Uh, I know we have to make a new list. So basically we just, uh, you know, we just, we just try to keep our eyes open and see who's interesting to us at that's, the time. And that's good. Cause your list is, you've got some great guests. Yeah, thanks. I mean, Appreciate all 127 of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's going good. So, but we appreciate yeah. it. And, and with podcasts and the great thing is Rick, um, there's, there's the, the, the podcast in space. There's so many people and, there's enough room for all of us. And actually, uh, if someone listens to your show and learns about you, then they could bleed over and learn about us. And same thing from mm-hmm. us to you and, and all the other podcasts that are out it's there. It's exactly so. how it, it links all up. I mean, heck, we all have a lot of time driving vehicles and yeah. doing stuff. And unless you're like an eight-hour show, you know, there's room for other of others of us out there with different perspectives or different guests or different things happening, right? Absolutely. Um, the challenge for being a a television or Facebook television um, show along with the podcast is I think John and I need to try to get, if we, we have, if I have criticism is that listeners sometimes don't see what we're talking about. And I think we need to get a little bit better at being cognizant of that transition. And sometimes it's hard. Um, So that's a little bit of a challenge for us as podcasters is that we've got to be able to, ensure that we can say a visual if something's happening you know you might be listening you're like what the heck are they talking about (laughs) yeah i I mean i listen a lot and i don't really seem to have trouble following i i'm a more of a podcast listener the one thing about facebook and and youtube is you kind of have to it's hard to uh, keep your phone on uh passively you know, right. the, the screen has to be on for the volume, at least in my phone. And I don't know about other phones. And that's why I like podcasts best because whether I'm working or, or, or mowing the yard or something, I can, it, you know, the screen can be off. It could be in my pocket or in my hand or whatever. And that's, that's why I prefer podcasts. And plus I'm ugly. If I had the baby blue eyes, like Rick, maybe I would want to be on in front of the cameras more. But <laughs> Hey Rob, Hey Rob, I did want to tell you, you know, there's a, there's a setting on there that you can go on it. It will never switch off. Switch off what? Your screen. What do you mean? When you say the screen will go off and then you won't have it on, on anymore. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh really? There's a, yeah, I don't know. I'm, cause I'm, cause I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big, there's player. a setting that you say never turn off and it stays on. the But whole my time. problem is I turn it and then my phone blips when it turns, I could turn that off too. Yeah. yeah. I look, that's why, that's why I just, I'm a big dummy. Right? That's okay. Let's, I just thought I'd you on I'm a big dummy. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I just no, think I, you're, you're 
you were using the right one to go forward with that, that show. Yeah. Well, my, my point was that I listen and I don't have any trouble. Yeah. I, I, I have no problem following along. But then again, I'm a very observant a lot listener. Of people are li- a lot of people are listeners. And I think that's why podcasts are doing so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just growing. Yeah, we were listening to your show on Friday. We're driving to St. Michael's, listening yeah. to Laney. Yeah, listening to sh- Laney. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned Laney. Yeah. <laughs> Laney Ashford. Here on the podcast with Major League, we are challenging you to be dressed up in Snow White on camera. So your podcast, good, yeah, it's going to be on, on, on your Facebook page and sing that little bird song from Snow White. There we go. Yeah, there you go. I, we're, we're behind it, yep. 100%. Laney, you've you been called to do out. It. It's you official. Have to do it. You have to do it. Everybody out there in podcast world <laughs> land, I want you to go to her social media and say, Snow White. <laughs> yes. Snow White. Yes. She can, she can pull it off. She can absolutely she can pull it off. Triple dog dare you, Lainey. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, this is a lot God. of fun. Kim. It is fun. It is fun. So, Rick, um, as we move things along, do you have any advice for a young rider trying to make it in the sport? You know, um, I've had the very over the years working with young riders coming up, Elisa being my prime young rider coming up. Um, I really think my advice to them, and it's, it's difficult because sometimes you can't always have one trainer, one coach. I think it's good to have clinics and good to go off and do some other stuff. But I think if you, you designate yourself with one one person that could, that you really have sought out and believe that that's the person for you. You might have to switch around a little bit. Stick with that person. Go through the through your process of getting to where you need to be, um, and and expand your your horizons with clinics and other things like that. And sometimes it doesn't always work out. But I think more you see more success from from a young rider that sticks with their trainer. I think Laney's one that's with with Buck for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it just helps your foundation and where you've been and where you're going and they know what's best for you. Um, that would be my advice. Awesome. Yeah, good advice. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. So Rick, we don't want to hold you up too much longer. We just, <clears throat> it, as we kind of wind things down, we just always like to ask, you mentioned a couple of sponsors already uh, with the podcast. Is there any other sponsors that you'd like to mention before? You know, Sure. I got a shout out to, English Riding Supply, who is the umbrella sponsor for us for Ovation Riding, Romp, um, Equestrian Apparel, uh, Mountain Horse USA, um, Veritas Boots. Uh, also, we have Stress Lessons I mentioned before, um, Custom Saddlery, which uh, shout out to Nancy Barty. Um, custom Saddles aren't custom made saddles, they're a company called Custom Saddlery that have amazing saddles. Briggs and I have a bunch of them, dressage, jumping, um, and Elisa is also sponsored by them. Um, really makes a difference in your horse's performance. Uh, and Nancy, who's a saddle fitter, um, and also one of our sponsors, because she comes in and does it for us with Custom Saddlery. Um, they're all super, and I can't uh, tell you enough with Amy Pemberton, Pemberton from uh, English Riding Supply. Everybody out there, get the English Writing Supply book catalog. They have amazing products in it. 
Um, and we love everything that we wear and we wear it every day. And so, um, you know, thanks to our sponsors, we wouldn't be dressed as well as we are or ride as well as we do without um, their spot, their support. Amen to that. We oh, love yeah. our sponsors. So oh, yeah. We can, the sport could not survive without good sponsors. No, so thank you for all. bringing them up. And then last question, how do people follow along? How do people, you know, uh, websites, social media, things of that sort? So, um, for us, Team Wallace, uh, Facebook page, also personal page, Rick Wallace, uh, Briggs Surratt, personal page. Uh, the John and Rick Show has a Facebook page. Um, and we also have a YouTube channel for we don't utilize it so much for Team Wallace. I do have one, um, but we uh, for John Rickshow, we've got that. And then we have the iHeart, Spotify, and Apple Pod. Um, so come and see us. We're all over the place. If you can find us and and join in, we'd love to have you. Awesome, awesome. Hopefully soon we get to you know when everything kind of opens back up and we could all be social again. Hopefully mm-hmm. we can get down there and visit and sure. And as and to that point, Rob, I'd like to say to people going to events. Um, wear your mask. It's really simple. If you're on a horse, you don't have to wear one. If you're off a horse, you do. It's unfortunate that we have to walk cross country with the mask on. It's just, they couldn't, the USEF couldn't come up with rules that people could, could really justify putting it on and off. So I just plead for all of you to wear your mask. I did have my pony sent home from pony finals because people weren't wearing masks and there was a COVID outbreak and just wear them. It's easy or maybe not so easy, but if you start wearing them, it gets easier. And I even tried to feed myself with a mask on one time. <laughs> I forgot it was there. Awesome. Karen, was this fantastic? This is great. This is great getting to know you, right? Rick, it was great to get to know you. You're Thank such you. a gentleman. And, and uh, please send our best to Briggs too. We, we know. Uh, I definitely will. He's downstairs learning something or he's got food right now. He's he cooked an Indian dish, I think. So Ooh, nice. I'll go eat it. <laughs> so, hey, but it's Rick. really great being a guest. And thank you so much. I've heard so much about y'all. You're doing a terrific job. What a way to hit the ground running. I, when did y'all start? Uh, two years ago. Uh, two, two plus years ago. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Here you are. Yeah, here we are. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rick. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Taylor Harris Insurance Services. There for all equestrians, amateur and the professional. For all types and all breeds. No matter what discipline or level, Taylor Harris is committed to excellence in serving you and protecting the horses you love. Taylor Harris Insurance Services, your worldwide equine insurance specialists. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please like Major League Eventing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And join our community, Major League Eventers, on Facebook. Cheers!